you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hello there, good human. It's the Nerdist Podcast number 605. Very excited about this episode, uh, but I will get to that in a second. I'm also going to mention... Uh, going to funcomfortabletour.com because I'm going on a stand-up tour and I would like you to come to it because it sucks to perform for zero people. (laughs) But actually, people are buying tickets now, which is crazy. It's still relatively new. The people come out to see me on purpose. It still feels new. But uh, yeah, tickets are going fast uh, and I don't mean that in a salesman way. I'm being super straight with you. So uh, go to funcomfortabletour.com. The dates start mid-January and run through May as of now, and then more are going to be added, and hopefully there's a city near you. So go there, find it, check it out, come see it, uh, getting ready for the next hour special, which will probably shoot late next year sometime. This episode is a very another special one for me. And you're probably like, Chris Orton, how many special podcasts can you possibly have? As many as the people that I love agree to come on this friggin' podcast is how many times. And if they are as unbelievably cool as Adam West, then it's going to happen. And I'm going to keep saying that they're special. Adam West is such a cool, wonderful human being. And I'm so glad he was in my life, not just for the Batman series, but just as a dude. And I've met him a few times uh, throughout the course of my life. And he has always been awesome. And he was fantastic on this episode of the podcast. The entire Batman TV series is out on Blu-ray. And it comes in a really kick-ass box with a toy Batmobile. Uh, They gave me one and he signed it. And I am a spoiled jerk. But I am thrilled to tell you that this is the Nerdist Podcast number 605 with Adam West. Now entering Nerdist.com. Who are you? I'm just, uh, I'm just a stray. I'm just a stray who wandered in off the streets. Yeah, I noticed. It, which I love that kind of, you know, rapport. Yes. Yeah. I I wandered in too. I saw some people in here. I was like, I should come in, see what everyone's doing. <laughs> now I got his number. That's right. Uh huh. That's what's gonna now happen. Now I know the humor. I love the show already. What? This is great. Yeah. Should we just end it there? Because that's a high note. No, I like, like I that. <laughs> Late morning. Thank you for being here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I understand your chair rises. Yes, it does. It's higher and higher. I'll put it down a little bit Uh so that it. There we go. Is your picture out there somewhere? Um, it's in the somewhere around the studio. Oh, it's in the it's in our green room. Yes, I wanted to see that before I left. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Welcome. What What do you want me to call you? Chris? Is that okay? Sure. Thank you, Mr. Chris. Thank you very much. Mr. Chris. What, but what should I call you? Mr. Adam. Mr. Adam. Yeah. All right. Oh, um, come on, Chris. Adam, what's happening? I don't know. Are we, we never hang out anymore. What happened? Uh... I don't have the same crowd. <laughs> it's actually surprisingly, we do have the exact same crowd. Probably, we have the yeah. exact same crowd. You know, I've been a fan of yours for how many years now? <laughs> Which is... <laughs> <laughs> up his head. Five, five years. You're right. <laughs> I um, 
I, I would never expect you to remember this, but years ago, because I barely remember it, uh, in the 90s, back in the 1900s, um, yes. I did a dating show on MTV called Singled Out, and you guest starred on that show. And I posted a picture on Instagram because in the sketch, you punched me in the face, and it's a, it was a good punch. And uh, and that was a, that was a that was a highlight for me. That was one of my favorite moments. Was meeting you for the first time in the nineties. Where, where did I punch you? Um, square, just between the cheek and the lower jaw. Let me look. Yeah, it was good. What do you oh, think? Oh God, it's still swollen. <laughs> yeah, that was a good. That was a good I knockout really punch. I belted him. Yeah, it was the ring, like the rings. Yeah. Well, I have the same ring, and yeah. I, I've never taken it off since then. <laughs> <laughs> now, most people don't know this, but Adam West wears like a gangster, like five finger ring, which is all of his fingers are in. You know, it's a nice way to describe my wedding ring. <laughs> 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 And then you guys were at Comic Con this year too. No. Yeah, in San Diego. Oh, oh, oh San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Where, San Diego. Where, where is that? It's a little south of here. It's between uh, here yes, and Tijuana. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, a Tijuana. Yeah, it was in Tijuana. Con, con. We were at the Tijuana uh, Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, Tijuana Comic Con. <laughs> I think it's called uh, Tijuana Con. Uh, yeah, right. It was really great That's this year. That's a good year. word. Yeah, Tijuana Con. <laughs> a lot of uh, stripper cosplay, which was really good. <laughs> that we saw. Zona Rosa. Zona Rosa. How are the how are the conventions for you still? Do you still are they still fun? Yes. Yeah. Um, it gives me a chance to get out and meet people and shake hands and have a little conversation. Yep. And, and uh, stimulate the audience. Nice. You know, because if you don't do that, your career could last about five minutes. It's true. And yours has lasted longer than five minutes, so it seems to be working. It's, it's over 45 years and five minutes. What was, <laughs> what was, do you remember the first Comic-Con type convention that you went to? Uh, it was, I think, uh, a little town near Wichita in a rodeo arena in the mud. Uh-huh. That was <laughs> that was history. Um, no, I don't. But it could have been San Diego. Okay, you know that little town down yeah, that south, tiny little town south here. Yeah, north of Tijuana. Yeah, right, we call it. When uh, you were you were from uh, you're from uh, Walla Walla, Washington. Is this correct? Yep. I never knew. For the longest time, I didn't think that was a real place. I thought it was just a joke name that Warner Brothers cartoons referenced. Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah, I know. And it's used as a, a reference uh, in scripts uh, for crowd noise. Walla 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 Walla. Let's all do that. Walla, see. One, two, three. Walla 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 Walla. You see? Yeah, there's a lot a going on here. It's a crowd. Yeah, big crowd. Yeah. So what happens in Walla Walla, Washington? Uh, I don't know. Really? Well... Uh, when I was growing up, uh, not much happened. Well, how does a kid from Walla Walla, Washington decide, I want to be a performer. I want to break into this. I mean, at, the, at, that, at that time, the, the, film, the film business was really kicking into gear. Like the real golden age of film is kicking into gear. I came along, I guess, on the very end or cusp, if you will, of the golden age of TV. Mm-hmm. And... Um, how does a kid from Walla Walla... Well, uh, when I was going to college there, I did some plays. Yep. And then uh, I earned a little money working in radio. Um, I did, you know, everything. Swept the floor, uh, did the Sunday morning religious shows, anything I could do to get going in radio and TV. And then I went on to um, Stanford and did, did some television and radio, and won an audition, went to the McClatchy Network, and from there it just kept evolving. Were you under contract to anyone that they just that you just like went a studio where they would just put you in stuff? Uh, well, I freelanced a lot, but I was under contract to Warner's mm-hmm. uh, for maybe a year and a half. And then they lost their deal with ABC and all the Westerns. Because when I went under contract, I was doing mostly Westerns. Yeah. And uh, to look at me now, you probably wouldn't think I was a cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) I could see a cowboy hat on there. Well, okay. You you were in a bunch of the... Did you play Doc Holliday in something? Yeah, yeah. I did Doc Holliday maybe three or four times and uh, did the pilot for Doc Holliday. 
Oh, wow. I was the deadly dentist. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's a very articulate... Uh, all, all, he's, a, he's, a, he's a killer, but a, but a very... Uh, a, he, a smart killer. That's a way to describe him. Yeah. <laughs> a, kind of a smart-ass killer. Yeah. And I'm talking but, about being a dentist. Oh, a dentist. Yeah. Uh, a dentist killer. Yeah, he's a dentist killer. I saw the billboard. Painless... <laughs> Yeah, something I don't know. And so, when did you uh, start? Making, when did you start making the transition over to? Uh, it was it basically just everything at that time. There was you were doing Perry Mason at the time. You were doing all these different television shows. What did you ultimately want to do? Well, Chris, you've really done your homework. I'm very impressed. <laughs> uh, I ultimately didn't know or want to do Batman. It happened. Like so many things in this business, I'd done a commercial uh, for Nestle's in which I played kind of a spoof on James Bond. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the guys at ABC and 20th Century Fox had seen that commercial. And I had no idea for maybe a year after I started Batman that um, I was cast because of what they saw. Uh, it was kind of a spoof on James Bond, mm -hmm. a tongue-in-cheek thing. Yeah. And, you know, which Batman later became. Which, uh, by the way, I think I know the commercials you're talking about were like a Nestle Quick commercials, right? Of course. Yeah. And uh, so then Batman, I know that they had these competing... They were trying to do two different versions of the series, right? There was a Lyle Wagoner pilot that they shot that was a little darker, and then the Dozier version was your version, right? Which was more pop art campy. Well, fun. Uh, yes. Uh, the reason I did it uh, was that incredible script by Lorenzo Semple Jr. Mm -hmm. And he was a gifted and, and lauded screenwriter, and he said Batman was the best thing he ever wrote. And I believed it when I read that pilot script. It was so funny, so good. I said, yes, I have to do this. I was on my way back to Europe to do more spaghetti westerns. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead, I veered off and did Batman. Well, before, okay, so just before we get into Batman, I want to hear about the process of making a spaghetti western. Is it like, is it sort of like, uh, okay, you got one week to shoot this movie, or they're just basically cramming in as inexpensively as possible in some European town? How did it work? Well, I was part of it, but uh, it was pretty well done, the production, actually. It, it was a little torturous because of locations. You know, we were in Spain and Italy and some very remote spots. And uh, I was always on a big Arabian stud riding <laughs> around the cactus. But um, they, they were good. They were very creative. And... Uh, and, you know, to be able to do the American Western form in that way and then to, I hate to use the word elevate it, but make it um, a little more interesting in a sense and operatic. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Italians did the best. And so when you're making these movies, are you, are you really feeling like, okay, I'm... Uh... I'm, I'm definitely a working actor. My, I'm, everything feels good and comfortable and solidified. Were you ever worried, like, what if this ends? What am I going to go do at that point? Or did you feel pretty, pretty well comfortable at that point? Um, Chris, as an actor, I'm still worried. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, you never know exactly what's happening or what's coming. And, um, you know, people ask me, what role would you like to play if you could do anything you wanted. And all I can answer is, whatever the next job is. Right. Yeah. That's really what an actor does. You know, you cook with whatever you're offered. Yeah. And so it must have been... It must be strange to... For, so with that philosophy in mind, you're working, you're taking a next job, you're working and taking the next job, all of a sudden your next job becomes a thing that sticks with you for you know for 40, 40 years is that did it ever start to did it blow you away when that happened immediately or did it did you sense when you were making that show oh this is going to be around for for a while uh i had a feeling that uh it might be lasting that ha have some longevity you know, if we all were very careful to do the best job we could mm -hmm. in every aspect, 
And, you know, they, they really did a marvelous job with it. You know, the costume design, um, the, everything from the music to the performances and the settings, the dressing, it was a wonderful show. And I sensed as I went along that we were doing something very funny and rather winning for the audience. And as you grew up, you'd appreciate what was happening, but then you'd begin to get the laughs, right? the jokes. Because Batman was really a comedy yeah. for, for the adults. Even though you guys were playing it really straight. Yeah. Well, you've got to really think funny. Right. Play it very seriously. Yeah. You know, you're as involved as Sherlock Holmes or anyone like that. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, uh, you can't uh, think you're funny. Right. Of course. Wink at the camera. You know, that has another place. So what what did you learn from that, I mean, now that you look back and you and you go, uh, oh, I'm never. You're never secure up until your next job. Like that's your. Next. But you obviously must have some philosophy or something that kept you going all that time that got you through all those moments when you didn't know what was going to happen. Agreed. And what was that? Uh, send the check. <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, you know, I think it started very early with me a desire, a drive to do something different and to get out and find out what was out there in this big world. Because, you know, growing up on a wheat ranch in a small town, you you, you use your imagination a lot. And, uh, you know, playing cowboy, whatever. And I felt when they put me in the movie houses on Saturday mornings, and I watched old Hoppy or Roy or any of those things that I could do that. And they, it looks like a pretty good life. I didn't realize how tough it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're only seeing the end product. Of course. After all of the struggle that it took to get up to that place. W which brings me back to your question about the Spaghetti Western and how it felt. And it was the same thing. You go in thinking, this, is, this will be wonderful because I can do something with this. And I can make this Lawrence of Arabia. And yet, as you go along, you become slightly uh, disillusioned, a bit disjointed or disappointed sometimes, moment by moment. But you realize that the end product may not be exactly what you envisioned. But the process of doing it is very rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's like what you do here, to be able to talk to people like myself and have something in common and open them up. It takes a real talent, Chris. <laughs> well, I just, I, I'm just curious about people. I'm fa fascinated by people. And I, everyone, because ultimately, you know, on paper, a lot of us performers have similar goals. But the paths that people take and the way that they navigate to get there, it, to me, it, all the stories are unique. And the one thing that seems to be in common with anyone who's achieved any measure of success is that they just figure it out. They don't give up. They figure out how to turn failures into learning experiences. And they just, you know, they just keep moving forward no matter how bleak it seems. You said it very well. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. And I think the persistence and luck, if it's combined with talent and desire, uh, you know, it can bring things. Yeah. And but at any point, having so closely identified you with that character, was there a certain point where you're like, guys, yeah, I did that. It was the, you know, it's like, like a good example is... Um, talking to one of the Monty Python guys, Eric Idle. And he's like, you know, this was just a brief period of our lives that we were in this. And, you know, we've done a million more things that were not that, you know? I mean, at any point, did you want to sort of rebel against the bat? Or Well, that's a good way to say it, Chris. Rebel against the bat. I tried that. And uh, it kind of worked. 
And I did, you know, many other things, a lot of terrible movies and this and that, and a few good ones. But um, I came to the conclusion uh, some years ago that because people love Batman, that they, they, it made them happy, laugh, whatever, entire families. Why shouldn't I love Batman? And that's what I did. I began to love it. And, you know, to embrace the damn thing. Yeah. And because, you know, if I can bring that sort of enjoyment to people, that's what an actor looks for, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you know that you have. And I know that part of the reason why you're here is the um, uh, the 120 episode box set of Batman, which is out now, which I didn't realize there were a hundred and... I was like, that show was only on for like three years, but you guys... I didn't realize this. The first two seasons, you were doing two episodes a week on that show. Well, yes, because we were on twice a week, and we would have an hour script and cut it in the center with a cliffhanger. And so, in a sense, yes, we were doing uh, one hour yeah. uh, every week to ten days. Right. But um, it was it was difficult to do. You know, with those kind of requirements. And then we did our Batman feature Mm -hmm. uh, in the summer hiatus period after the first season. And that uh, everything began to kind of blend into one day. Right. And that's all I knew for a long time. Well, of course. I mean, just so just for people doing the math, uh, 120 episodes in three years is basically a 40 plus week schedule a year yes. of, of shooting. So you're you're not really you're getting a little bit of time off here and there, but you're inhabiting this world three straight years nonstop. Well, yes, and the time off was usually uh, dealing with the press right. and other things. Right. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, I'm not complaining. Um uh they treated me well. Yeah. And I was paid well for my work. Yeah. And we created a show that's gone on and on. Are there specific things that, when you think back, like what are your fondest memories of it? I think going in every day and thinking funny things that could be done Mm -hmm. with the material and with the people you were doing the scenes with. Um, you know, when you think funny and you don't want to appear that you're making funny, it's a challenge. But when people on the, on the sound stage, on the set are all thinking funny and laughing and having a great time, which I attempted to cause, uh, then it works. Yeah. And you as the number one name on the call sheet, really, it's kind of your responsibility to set the tone for the set. I tried to do that, really. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, sometimes uh, people wondered why. You know, I fooled around practical jokes and made people laugh, and and, and we had a pretty good time uh, in between setups and sometimes during the setup. Well, yeah, I mean, I can imagine you're shooting and then there's a bunch of guys in uh, Riddler out, like, like these massive fight scenes break out. And the, and everything is very purposely staged. It's choreographed, right? Like a dance. <laughs> and, you know, you couldn't help but start laughing sometimes. Of and, course. And I just get the giggles. Yeah. Well, Frank Gorshin, who's really funny, and oh. Burgess Meredith, who's amazing, and Cesar Romero. I mean, it's what, a, what an amazing group of people. It, it truly was. And, and they all had um, senses of humor. And they, they all were accomplished people. And they all appreciated the kind of thing they were doing. Mm-hmm. So they made it bigger than life. Almost Shakespearean, you know. Yeah. Like Victor Buono was King Tut. <laughs> you know, getting hit on the head and then reverting back to ancient Egypt. And, yeah. It was just so silly. It was. But wonderful fun. But it was... Um... You know, even as a kid, I, I sort of understood that it was like a live-action cartoon in a weird sort of way. That was the perfect hybrid of, like, this is what a comic book television show should look like. Thank you. 
Um, yes, that was our intent, uh, to pay homage to uh, DC Comics mm-hmm. in that sense. And I think we probably looked more like uh, the comic books than any other show that's come along. Yeah. And it was refreshing having, you know, I mean, I, you know, I watched, there was, uh, there was Batman stuff in the 40s and then the George Reeves Superman. But the Superman was always very, um, I mean, I was a comedy kid. And was, even though I liked watching the old Superman show, it was so serious and heavy handed and so like rah rah Superman, you know, that something to kind of take the piss <laughs> out of that vibe was great. And I don't, I don't think I understood as a kid that it was, I don't think I made the distinction like this is definitely a comedy. I just knew that it activated something in my brain that was different and quirky and fun and funny without necessarily going, this is a comedy. Like, cause it, it, it was, but it also, it had other elements other than just being a comedy. Well, too. sure. And they were triggered. Yeah. You know. Um, but you're right. Batman wasn't a superhero. <laughs> it was just an ordinary guy who had vulnerabilities. Yeah. But he was a, a superior physical specimen and mental as well because he he made himself that way. Yeah. Which encouraged, of course, a lot of other people. Look at you. Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm not a Batman, though. I'm just uh but you certainly have developed yourself in a way that uh if people were watching they'd find striking. <laughs> <laughs> you're, sit- you're, you're, you're sitting in that big chair looking down on me. Yeah, just so people just for people who are listening um I have a throne of skulls that I sit in that um it's not, you know, it's not that I want the guests to feel like I'm trying to say I'm better than they are. I just want them to feel a little uncomfortable so that they open up. So it's, it's skulls. And then I have two Rottweilers on either side and, <laughs> down, um, guys. down guys. Come on, come on guys. Adam's our friend. <laughs> Kyle, would you take these guys out and, uh, let them chew some horse meat? That guy's going to lick me to death. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lover. Um, but, uh, you know, it, Batman, Batman being the world's greatest detective, ultimately. Yeah. He's a guy. He really is just a guy who yeah. has a, has a, a bone to pick. Well, a bone to pick, and he's he's crazy. (laughs) He's crazy. But then also, you know, it was almost like um, that portrayal of Batman almost seemed to spawn the. Now we got to make him really dark for the you know when they when they made the movies we got to give him you know because he's he's real messed up he's kind of a little bit of a sociopath in a way you know because of everything that happened to him in his life. I think uh, their approach uh, probably uh, came from the new gothic novels, mm-hmm. you know, that got very dark. Yeah. What Frank Miller stuff. Right. And uh, so when they translated that to the screen, um, it was just an entirely different kind of ball game. Yeah. You know, we were fun and happy and, and bright and silly and absurd. Yeah. Whereas they take themselves very seriously. Yeah. And they kill a lot of people with their explosions and fireworks. You know, we never had bloodshed. No. Well, no. We. I think only once in one episode uh, did anyone have a gun that was a real gun. Maybe a water gun. I'm not sure. It's just a lot of uh, a lot a lot of a lot of big punching. Yeah, big punching like the punch you took. (laughs) Terribly sorry for. No, listen, I was honored. It was I. It was a badge of honor. (laughs) (laughs) And so, do you have you watched any of the episodes recently? Do you ever watch them sometimes? Yes, yes, I've watched the new remastered uh, DVDs. Yeah, or Blu-rays, and uh, they are so uh, astounding with their clarity. And yeah. the beauty of the colors and everything. Do you remember all the episodes? Or I mean, I, there's no way you could remember all the episodes if you were doing an episode a week for 40 weeks a year. So when you're watching, is because I I do that. My show's 40 weeks a year. I don't remember what happened last week on the show. Well, this week you will. This week I will because it's all short term memory. You're storing everything in your short term memory. Yeah. 
And then next week you got to store new stuff. Well, I did three shows at once at one time. Oh my gosh! And I had an assistant who walked behind me. I'd snap my fingers once, twice, maybe three times, and he would open a page that we had discussed previously, and I'd continue my conversation with someone, and at the same time he'd whisper the the lines in my ear. Mm. And you know, you stay kind of uh, refreshed <laughs> that way. But it becomes tedious. Yeah, of course. You're trying to multitask. But do you, when you're watching these episodes, is it like watching a whole, a whole new show? It is. Um, well, you know, Batman had its own little world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's able to exist in any kind of platform, dimension, time zone, whatever. But when I see these, uh, it comes, uh, you know, greatly ar alive again. And uh, it certainly gives me wonderful memories. The box set, by the way, is even just the box is super cool. I mean, I know it's uh, it's got all the kapows and biffs and socks on it, and then it's got a there's a, there's a Batmobile inside, and then uh, some there's scrapbooks, scrapbooks and trading cards, and it's it's a really cool it's a really cool box set. I think they did a great job at Warner's. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very pleased that after 40 years of people asking me, this has come out. Yeah, finally. You can be like, it's yeah. out already. Yeah. Please. And you can hit him in the face. There we go. Did you, uh, did you have a comedy background? I mean, obviously doing, you know, when you, when you start as an actor, you kind of just take what is offered to you. Right. But was comedy ever something that you really wanted to pursue? I think all along I wanted to do comedy. But I found myself always in serious roles as a leading man or a villain or whatever. And um, so when I had to do a, a chance to do Batman and play that kind of absurdist comedy, I loved it. Yeah. And then ensuingly, I've been doing other comedy work. But I think that really is my uh, area of uh, best talent. Yeah. Because if you have the timing, yes, and you have a natural way of thinking funny, that it can work. Well, and you—I know you're on Family Guy, and I—you've you, done a million cameos and things, and Simpsons, and and so there's obviously always that. There's obviously always that at work, but I I love that you've sort of embraced also kind of the character of Adam West at the same time. Do you does that make does that make sense to you when I say that? Do you know yes, what? Yes, it mean? does. I know exactly what you mean because um, I had no um, reservations really about making fun of myself, and I think if more people did that, it might be more interesting out there and more civil and probably funnier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I see nothing wrong with that, and it's a challenge to play yourself. Only in a, a greatly exaggerated way, right? And bringing out certain elements of your personality, but not really being you. And it's kind of walking a tight wire. Yeah. But it's a challenge. It, to me, it's more of a challenge in playing a character like yourself, in in the way I do. It's more of a challenge than playing um, a made up character. Of course, because a made up character is, you know, one or two dimensions. And you sort of figure out, like, what does that character want? All right, well, I can figure that out. Great. But how do you know who you are as a person? Like, how do you know who you are? It's a tough, it's a weird thing to figure out. Well, and the writers think uh, that they can do it. They figured it out. Right. And some of them have gotten very close. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they've been marvelous. The things they write for me are terrific. Yeah. And what are some of the uh, what are some of the things that you do? Like, what do you like to do? Like, what are what are some of your hobbies? Uh, I enjoy. Um, uh, I live in a place most of the time um, surrounded by mountains, and uh, you know we climb and we fish, and um, we read a lot. Mm -hmm. And there are always chores to do around the place. Yeah, because it's a, a fairly sizable joint. And, you know, I always find something to do when I'm home. Yeah. And, you know, reading a lot and thinking about projects that are upcoming. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I stay very occupied. 
What's important to you now that was not important to you when you were first starting out? I think even more and more it's been family. Yeah. Uh, you know, to try to balance family and career is not easy in many cases. But I've been a fairly fortunate. You know, I've had some times I've fallen down, but... Uh, uh, I've had a wonderful wife for 40 years. Wow. And his, hers, and ours, six uh, children. Wow. And uh, I really feel that uh, the, the best thing and the best balance, if possible, uh, the best thing you can enjoy and the most rewarding is family. Did you always feel that way or were you very – obviously you were career-focused to begin with, but did you always think, oh, a family is going to be the thing that's ultimately going to tie it together? Or did that – when that happened, did you realize it? I was uh, – I think um, the former. Uh, I think I was driven and pretty career-focused. And uh, it, it took me a number of years. Uh, and, you know, having kids – to really change in a way I felt was the best. Mm -hmm. And indeed, it, 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 this catharsis, this change happened with me, that career became less important and family more. Yeah. And your kids, are they all, uh, are they all super career-driven people or are they pretty laid back? Well, one or two are pretty laid back. Uh, one lives in the jungle in Hawaii. Oh, wow. And hunts wild boar with a knife and um, <laughs> is an artist. But uh, the, the others are very creative, have a pretty good jobs, and they're all off the payroll. Oh, wow. Yes. That's kind of a nice thing. That is really nice. Yeah. So but you get to see them a lot. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have kids? Do you have grandkids? I have, uh, I have a little uh, young grandson. Um, he is now uh, seven months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, that kid I will see tonight. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. You see, family, it is so rewarding. You know that. I don't have a family, but I, I take your... I mean, I have uh, parents. Well, that's what I wondered. Oh, yeah. No, I don't have any kids. But you do have parents. I do. Well, I have one living parent. Um, but I knew you were part of a family. <laughs> <laughs> I was just uh, dropped on the doorstep of Hollywood and raised by extras. Yeah. <laughs> that was my a, st no. a starlet nun. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, uh, yes, uh, but I mean, in as much as I have a relationship to my progenitors, uh, I don't. That idea of of kids and like a family that has sprouted from my loins, I don't understand. I don't have. I don't have that. I don't understand. Yeah, but I can see it now. What really? All oh, the sprouting. Oh, the sprouting <laughs> yes. that will take place. <laughs> it's very funny how you said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sprout, the seeding, and the sprouting yes. of the, the human crops. Uh, but I think we all need a little seeding every once in a while. It's Why, good. of course, and uh, it's good for the heart. Occasional sprouting <laughs> it makes one feel alive. It does. <laughs> it's very important. People, go out today and sprout. Yes. If there's one thing you take away. Or seed. Or seed. Seed first. <laughs> when you're... Um, when you're... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> When you're out in uh, when you're out in your ranch, yeah. it's a ranch, right? It's pretty yeah. much a ranch. Well, well, I don't know which came first. What the seeding or the sprouting on the ranch? Yeah, I think the seeding comes first, and of then the course, sprouting happens. Of course, yeah, You're, you must seed, and and then you get your sprout. That's right. So and then in the spring, sometimes. <laughs> it's like Chauncey Gardner, right? In that it's movie, right there. Yeah. Um, do you guys make anything at the ranch? Like, do you? Is it do livestock crops? Anything? Well, we had we had hogs and chickens and and grew vegetables and we had acres and acres of wheat. Oh, you oh you went back to wheat? Yes, wheat. Go back to what you know. What? Yes, and what? You said you grew up on a wheat farm. Yes. So now it was wheat. Oh, you mean the old farm was wheat? I thought you were talking about your new ranch being no, wheat. No, 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 the okay. old farms. Okay. And now they have, um, you know, Walla Walla, we mentioned. Yeah. A wonderful little place. And with a great college, which I attended, Whitman. But Whitman, Col Whitman and Walla Walla, Mr. West Wheat. Yes. It's a lot of W's. 
And my middle name, yes, yes. But anyway, what happened uh, is that we had a lot of wheat, and we had prisoners. Your family actually had captives? No, we... we, we <laughs> Listen, were, I don't want you to incriminate yourself. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something I've okay. never told anyone. No, this is a good time to do it. You're you see, <laughs> until the Walla Walla are. had a great prison, Washington State Prison. Yeah. D- depending on how you look at it, it was great. <laughs> but we, I'm sure it was great from the outside. <laughs> we had several hobbies. And if a prisoner escaped, we'd sit on the porch with our rifles and... You know, <laughs> that's amazing. We just plunk away. Uh, <laughs> no, but Walla Walla has gone has gone from wheat to, <laughs> to wine. <laughs> now it's wine. Yes, we have fifty one wineries and and the statue of Batman. There is a statue of Batman in Walla Walla. Yes, it's just incredible. That's fantastic. Yes, you come up sometime. I would love to, but your but your ranch now, the, your current ranch, you don't you, you uh, do you grow anything or do you is it is it well, is, where we are in Idaho? Yeah, yes, we grow. Uh, my wife, uh, mm-hmm. we have really great gardens and uh, herds of elk. And, oh wow! Yeah, and bear. And and we had a, a bobcat, a cougar in there the other day. And, you know, it's kind of scary because you go out in the back and you don't want to go out at twilight no. <laughs> or early in the morning. They get hungry. Yeah. And it's uh, tough on the dogs. Mm-hmm. Having to keep the place safe from... Well, yeah, and there's so many uh, animals hanging around salivating and <laughs> looking at your dogs and you. Yeah, well, that you know, it must be interesting to find that perfect balance of I want to respect the nature that we're in, but I'm still a person and I don't want to get attacked by a bear. Y- so yes. what's okay? Like, what are the safe boundaries? Well, there's a, a kind of um, a blueprint, in a sense, for what's happening in the world. Okay. And are we getting serious now? Let's get serious. Oh, okay. Okay. Because out there in the world, there are a lot of people salivating Mm -hmm. and hungry to to get get us, Chris. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we got to get them first. (laughs) (laughs) You got to sit on the porch with a rifle and plug them off. (laughs) No, bear, I attack you. What for an analogy? Uh, (laughs) Well, this show has taken a very serious turn. It did. It got really dark and serious. Really fast. The new Batman. Is there? (laughs) (laughs) It's so tortured. It's like the new Batman. (laughs) What is it? What do you still want to do? What do you still want to? Are there things that you still want to tackle? Yeah, I want to get out of here, Chris. This. You're never going to leave. <laughs> the door locks from the outside. Okay. So we're not going anywhere for a while. That's okay. It's fun. We're going to form a little community in here. Um, <laughs> the publicists will keep us aware of the current events going on outside the walls. You know, forming a little community has been done before. It didn't work out so well. No terrible results. <laughs> <laughs> Flame and Kool Aid. <laughs> That's the best Jonestown reference anyone's ever made on the show before. Do you, I, I, well, I want to. I want to. In the last five minutes that I have with you, I want to. I want to mine you for wisdom, because you have such a great. Um, you have such a great manner and such a such a lovely vibe that I feel like. You know, if if you in this last five minutes could impart as much wisdom to me and our audience about, you know, ways to live, things to care about, you know, besides we heard all the family stuff, but day to day, like what's your, what gets you up in the morning and gets you excited and what, you know, how do you deal with, uh, how do you deal with strife and when the bear gets on your property and you're like, how do you, how do you get through the day? Exactly. It is so profound what you said. I know. That I don't know how I can answer because <laughs> I don't have that wisdom that comes with age. You don't? S- not so much. Really? And that's part of my wisdom. But <laughs> so you don't know anything. That's correct. Okay. That's I have learned that the more I know, the more I know I don't know. Isn't it interesting that we go backwards that way throughout our lives? Yes. 
But I think if I had to impart uh, anything that I felt was uh, seemingly important, it would be to be civil. Yeah. Just to enjoy life, be civil, be curious, but be nice to one another. Yeah. And have a sense of humor about things. Yeah. Everything tragic passes somehow. Oh, that's good. That's a good way to think about it. Do you see what Warner's is doing? They're holding up notes that we have to wind up. No, no actually, they were just giving us a little more. They were just giving us a little more time. Did you really, Gary? More time? Gary said, you know what, guys? Gary, you're you're going to get it. <laughs> you're going to get it. <laughs> Gary said, you know, I'm feeling generous today. Yeah. So why don't you guys go a little bit longer? Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, we haven't recorded any of this yet, but when we start the podcast, <laughs> this would be the warm up. All right. <laughs> so, my sort of last question revolves around like, what do you still want to do? Or you know, looking ahead, what's next? What do you want to create? What do you want to? What do you want to be a part of? All I really want to do is keep uh, doing the kind of work I've been doing mm -hmm. uh, when I can. And if somebody calls and has a project that uh, I feel is refreshing or interesting, uh, I would love to just cook with that. Yeah. And that's enough. That's fine. Because my daily life is pretty full yeah. with things to do and think about. Yeah. And, you know, with kids, family... Uh, with the, with the responsibilities of of maintaining property and so on, you know that's a lot for an old geezer to do. <laughs> <laughs> but you're spry, like you you get a lot of stuff done in a day. Well, I, I am spry. <laughs> <laughs> I spry everywhere. You spry everywhere. It's yeah. good to have a spry everywhere. It is. Wow. It's good to have a seed, uh, but yes, and a, a spry. But I love what that, that, that the seeding and. Uh, Seeding and sprouting. And a sprouting and a spry. Yeah. You sprout, and then that leads to more seeding, and the seeding leads to more sprouting, and it's a never-ending process. Which is spry. And it's, which is a very, you have to be very spry to enjoy that process. But it really is, I think, ultimately, the message, the takeaway. Wonderful. Do you, <laughs> I love that you're enjoying, I love that it makes me so happy that you're happy. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Oh, God. It's uh, mine, too. Good. Yeah, yeah. I like to make you happy, Chris. I'm very happy. Good. I'm, very, I'm, I'm happy. Very, are you a do you, are you a are you a worrier or do you just not let things? No, I'm happy. Good. Okay. Wow. You said that very angrily. <laughs> Sounded intense. It was a very intense happy. Yeah. What me worry? No, I don't worry. <laughs> stop, stop kicking the dog. Jeez, I'm happy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to be happy. I know. Well, you know what? That is a very important sentence that maybe you didn't realize was very important, but telling people that it's okay to be happy. Yes. Yes. Why not? Because because we it's easy to fret, it's easy to worry, and it's easy to think that we have to worry um, or we're not going to be able to maintain our lives. But I love the simplicity of it's okay to be happy. Yes, I do too. I mean, it's okay to sing the blues. Sure. And the music is wonderful. And I, I love to sing the blues and listen to that. But I'll tell you, I don't want to have the blues. No. I've had the blues before of you. Yes. Terrible blues. No, it's not, not fun at all. No. It, it's unhappy. What are we doing here? I don't know. Have a drink on me. <laughs> I feel like this is a... A quarter to three. <laughs> I feel like this is a quarter to three. <laughs> That'll cure the blues. No one in the joint except you and me. That's it. What can I get you, Mr. West? I got a sad story to tell. <laughs> Do you have a real sad story to tell, or you were just, no. just part well, of Well, I have some, but I'm not, not, I don't want to be sad. I, uh, I don't want to be sad. I want to be happy. It's okay to be happy, yes. Adam West. I am, it is so wonderful to see you, and every time that I've ever met you, which is a few times now, you've been nothing but gracious and warm and 
And I know someone particularly in your position could get very tired of shaking hands after all these years. But you, you do it with such grace that uh, I really um, – it's, it's, you're kind of a role model, I would say. Not just as Batman, but you as a guy, Adam West, are I think even more of a role model than Batman. Thank you, Chris. Um, I know you mean that, and I really appreciate it. Good. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. And then it was fun. We really. normally we normally end the podcast by telling people uh, the message of the podcast is essentially what you said: enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. We say to people, enjoy your burrito, which means enjoy your enjoy something while you're in having it. So, would you please sign off the podcast for us and tell people Adam West style to enjoy their burrito? Folks, mmm, mmm, good. Ooh, enjoy that burrito. <laughs> that may be the best one ever. That may be the best one ever, Katie. <laughs> Thank you, Adam West. You bet. Good to see you, man. Nice seeing you. The Batman box set is out now. Gary, is this out now? Yeah, the sure box, is. box set's out now? Okay. Adam, push the button. Oh, the there's a side. Yeah, yeah it's a button, Chris. <laughs> it's a buck 98. <laughs> oh, and it's even got the walk. Wait, just really quickly before you go. Walking up the side of the building. The walking up the building yeah, gag. Yeah, yeah. Was that as fun to shoot as it seemed like it was, or did it just feel like walking? It, it was very tedious. Really? Very tedious. The building was put on a, a six degree angle. Okay. And, uh, you know, you have to do it over and over because maybe the wall pop out doesn't work. You know, the. <laughs> Technical stuff. Yeah. But it, it was fun because you never knew really who was uh, behind that wall. Oh. Yeah. So it was like a toy surprise. Well, in every I didn't want to know. No, you didn't. No. I wanted to be surprised. You know. Good. Yeah, Sammy Davis Jr., for example. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, Adam. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker. Lied like a liar. Like a liar. And if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal, or you love to hop in the Wayback Machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes, you should tune in to our podcast, Morbid. Follow Morbid on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.